Hello and welcome to the Strikeout Central podcast. I am your host, Michael, and here we are at episode number 12 of the podcast, and the season has concluded with the Los Angeles Dodgers being named world champions after taking down the Tampa Bay Rays in six games of a thrilling World Series, but it was not without controversy. In addition to the podcast, please follow the website at strikeoutcentral.blogspot.com for daily baseball posts. Now let's take a look at the playoff results that followed after episode 11 of the podcast was released. The Dodgers at the time were down three games to one against the Atlanta Braves in the NLCS, but the Dodgers rallied to win three straight games in advance to the World Series, shocking the Braves. The Rays also punched their ticket to the World Series with a seven-game series win over the Houston Astros. In the World Series, the Dodgers won in six games, but there was some controversy surrounding Game 6, as Justin Turner of the Dodgers, after a confirmed positive COVID-19 test, was seen celebrating in close quarters with his teammates, mostly maskless, after winning the World Series. After an investigation by Major League Baseball, Turner was not punished for his incident. All right, so now I'd like to welcome today's guest to the podcast, Pawtucket Red Sox Vice President of Baseball Operations and Community Relations, Joe Bradley. How are you doing today? Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, I'm doing just fine. Uh, before we get started here, I would like to uh, just quickly say that I am someone who's had some good memories with the Paw Sox organization. I've been going to games at McCoy Stadium for the last 10 years. I don't think I've ever had an experience at McCoy Stadium and a Paw Sox game that I haven't enjoyed, regardless of whether or not the Paw Sox won or lost. So it's really special for me to have somebody from the Paw Sox organization like yourself on the podcast. So again, I thank you for joining me today. Yeah, you bet, Mike. McCoy's been a very special place for for so many fans. This this would have been our 50th season at McCoy. We were, uh, we were getting ready to have our final season in Pawtucket and uh it's it's been a special place for so many Red Sox fans in Rhode Island uh southeastern Mass and and all throughout New England so uh we appreciate those those sentiments all right uh so now let's uh let's hop right in uh you so your title is vice president of baseball operations and community relations so how did how did you get how did you get to become that guy in the Paw Sox organization? So my, my career, I, I sort of got my foot in the door uh, as an intern with the Boston Red Sox back in 2012. Um, I was still in college at the time uh, at Union College, just outside Albany, New York. And um, I was fortunate enough to, to have a job waiting for me with the Red Sox uh, when I graduated from Union in, in 2014. Um, and I spent uh, the following two seasons in 14 and 15 uh, working for the Red Sox in community relations, public affairs, um, did some did some work uh, with the players and their community ticket programs. I did some writing uh, for the Red Sox magazine as, as well. So um, I was kind of doing a little bit of everything. And um, and then when Larry Lacchino stepped down as uh, as president of the Red Sox, uh, he assembled a group of owners to uh, to go and acquire and, and buy the Paw Sox, the AAA team. So 
um, I was fortunate enough to uh, be asked to, to be a part of that transition. So I was actually sort of one of, one of several, one of maybe four or five guys that, uh, that made the transition um, from Boston uh, to AAA. And um, we, we went down there and let's see, my, my first season was in 2016 and I started with the Pawsox, uh in December of, of 2015. So um, this would have been my, my fifth season um, with the club if, if we had, uh, if we had played a, played a season. So um, that's sort of how I started, how I got my, my foot in the door. And, and um, it's been a, a whirlwind of a five seasons, that's for sure. But, uh, but it's been rewarding and I've, I've certainly learned a lot. Yeah, that's great. Especially being one of four, four or five people you said to be asked by one of, one of the more notable names in Boston sports and Larry Lucchino to become a part of this new ownership group of a triple A team. That's, that's pretty crazy right there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was. And, um, you know, it, it, at first, you know, when they asked me to, to come down, you, you don't really hear too often about um, people making the transition from the major leagues to, to triple a, um, but it was really the, the opportunity to uh, work more closely with, with Larry Lucchino and, uh, and guys like Charles Steinberg and, and Dan Ray, um, you know, proven big league executives who have had um, tremendous success, not just in Boston, but in, in Baltimore and in San Diego and, and um, having the chance to, to work more closely um, with those guys, it was, it was just sort of an opportunity that I, uh, I couldn't pass down at the time. And, um, and I've certainly continued to, to learn a tremendous amount, um, which I'm uh, very grateful for. All right. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so now, now we'll sort of talk about the Paw Sox, uh, moving to Worcester now to become the Worcester Red Sox. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about sort of why the Paw Sox as an organization decided to move and why, why was Worcester the city in the end that was chosen as their destination? Sure. So when we came down in December of 2015, as I mentioned, we spent the following three years or so trying to keep the Paw Sox in Pawtucket. Um, we, we never thought that Worcester was ever even going to be a possibility. Um, we knew sort of going in that McCoy was one of the oldest ballparks in, in AAA baseball. Um, and we knew about all the history, but our, our goal from the beginning was actually to, to keep the Pawsox in Pawtucket. I mentioned that this would have been our, our 50th year. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of, of history there. Um, but you know, McCoy was also built on a swamp in, in 1942. Um, and there's a lot of, there were a lot of structural issues with McCoy. And so we knew from the beginning that, um, that we wanted to build a new ballpark, but keep the team in Rhode Island. Um, but the longer it took, um, and the more delays that we faced, uh, at the state level, everybody who we dealt with in the city was, was outstanding. And, and, uh, Mayor Grebian and Pawtucket certainly 
did everything he could uh, to keep us. He, he, he did everything um, that a mayor could do, but it was uh, sort of the more delays that we faced at the state level in Rhode Island um, allowed for cities all throughout New England really to sort of swoop in and make competitive offers for us. Um, but I think from the get-go, we always thought that of those cities that reached out to us, Worcester um, made the most sense. And so, like I said, after about three and a half years of um, difficult negotiations and doing everything we could to, to keep the team in Rhode Island, um, only then did, did cities like Worcester have the opportunity to, uh, to come in and, and, um, and make competitive offers for us. And we, we couldn't be more excited about the, the transition. The, I mean, the, the excitement in Worcester is, is really through the roof. Um, but, you know, thankfully we're not moving to, to Idaho here. We're, we're only moving 45 minutes away. So one thing that we're really trying to uh, remind Pawsox fans um, and particularly Northern Rhode Islanders too, um, hey, we're, we're only going to be 45 minutes away. We're only going to be, if, if you're a Pawsox fan who lives in Woonsocket or Smithfield, Rhode Island, um, you know, you're still going to be able to get to a Woosox game in a brand new ballpark uh, 30 minutes away or less in, in, in some cases. So um, we're fully aware of, uh, of, of how difficult it is for, for many fans who still have so many great memories at McCoy, but um, we think that this is going to be the beginning of uh, another incredible chapter in the history of this franchise and, and um, for AAA, for AAA baseball. All right. Yeah. And staying local is um, that is very important to, to the local fan base really from Rhode Island as well as Massachusetts. Yeah, that that's, that's right, Mike. We, we think, uh, we think Worcester is, is located, you know, right, right in the heart of the Commonwealth, um, really accessible to, to fans throughout the region. And um, we, we, we couldn't be more excited to, uh, to open up in, in 2021 um, and, uh, and begin a new, new chapter of this, of this story franchise. All right. So um, you, you mentioned in your response, you talked about the Woosox game and go to the Woosox game. So the team name obviously is Woosox. Uh, so what, what was the process of choosing a new name for this, for the Worcester Red Sox? And um, what were some other, how did, how did it arrive on Woo Sox, basically, and what were some other possible names as well? Yeah, Mike, one, Pawtucket, as you know, we're, we're the Pawtucket Red Sox, Paw Sox for short. Um, and I think when we really started to dive into the process, we wanted to get as much input as we could from the fans. We didn't want to just arrive at this decision on our own. Um, and as, as you probably know, minor league baseball is known for its quirky names and it's, it's, uh, you know, I think of the El Paso Chihuahuas out in Texas or the, the AAA, uh, affiliate of the San Diego Padres. Um, I think of the, the Amarillo sod poodles, uh, who we actually 
had an employee who just joined us from from the sod poodles we we sort of felt and uh knew from the get-go that we were that there was more of a hunger and appetite to go with something that was a little bit more traditional you know i think that part of the reason why uh the chihuahuas in, in texas can can call themselves that is because they're in all honesty not not very close to to san diego um but being in worcester we were certainly still very much in a red sox market where uh there was a lot of passion for the red sox and um we held about somewhere between 18 to 20 fan plan meetings um, in and around Worcester, where we tried to seek and, and gather as much input as we could from from the fans. And uh, as we said on um, the Nesson broadcast, when we did our official unveiling, uh, there was really just nothing that beat uh, the Woosax. There was there was nothing that uh, beat the Worcester Red Sox and, and uh, sticking with the Red Sox brand and um, we, we felt that calling ourselves the Worcester Red Sox, as we did in Pawtucket, um, where we also had so many, so much success throughout the years, uh, we just felt like it made the most sense. And, um, I think, I think the fans, uh, really got what they wanted to, so to speak. So, um, we, we, we feel great about it and, and we're, uh, we're excited for the Worcester Red Sox inaugural season this year in 2021. All right. Uh, that is great. Um, so the inaugural season is, it is going to be this season, however long or short it ends up being. Um, so how is the transition from Pawtucket to Worcester going right now? And how, if it was, how much was it delayed in any way because of the halting of business at the start of the pandemic in March? Yeah, well, we, we did lose about five to six weeks of construction at Polar Park in Worcester right at the, at the start of the pandemic there. Uh, we had to, to, to press pause uh, on the construction operation, but um, we were able to resume pretty, pretty quickly. And uh, besides that delay that we faced in the spring, um, we really haven't, we've been fortunate and we, we haven't faced uh very very many delays at all since then and have really been moving full speed ahead uh with polar park construction and um you know i'd, I'd say we're we're probably a little over 75 percent there at this point so um as you know also mike last winter was was a pretty a pretty mild winter and uh so we really didn't face any delays uh, in construction due to, to snow or, or inclement weather. Um, we're, we're certainly hoping that, uh, that this winter is, is also kind to us and, and that we also don't face many more delays. So we're, uh, you know, still going full speed ahead of construction. Um, you mentioned potential delays that we could face uh, from the league. Those, those are really out of our control. Um, and all we're sort of really focused on is, is making sure that, uh, that we finish this ballpark on time and, and, uh, and that we're ready to, to host games in, 
in 2021, um, whenever that happens. So um, we we certainly hope to get our uh, our 2021 schedule here in the next couple of months. You know, in a in a typical year when we're not dealing with the pandemic, uh, we usually have a, a pretty good sense of of what um, our schedule is going to be looking like for the following season. Um, but we we still don't have that right now. So um, we're just we're just awaiting word from from the league and and uh, doing everything we can to keep marching forward with with Polar Park and and making sure that we open up uh, on time. Yeah, that's great. Hopefully the hopefully the winter stays stays a little bit more mild. But we did have a snowstorm in October, so you, 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 nobody really you never knows. know. It's New it's England, New England. Here. Exactly right. <laughs> All right, so. Polar Park, where the Woosox are going to be playing. Uh, location of it is going to be right near downtown Worcester, pretty much right by it. Um, so what what is the general hope, the general vision of what Polar Park is going to add and bring to the Worcester community on basically a Friday night game? Yeah, we, we, we certainly hope that Polar Park is, and we, and we know, we see it, we feel it. Uh, we we know that it's going to be tremendous for, for the city of Worcester. Um, I also think that um, fans who are, are commuting from Boston, say, uh, or, or even West from, from Springfield, it's, it's going to be a little bit more accessible for them, particularly if you want to take uh, public transportation to, to come see a game. Um, you know, we're going to be right in Kelly Square, uh, just about an eight-minute walk from Union Station. Um, so we, we, we hope that that's uh, going to be a, a big factor. Um, if you're talking about fans who are commuting from the city in Boston that that uh, don't necessarily want to drive. Um, you know, I grew up in Cambridge, Cambridge, Mass. And, um, you know, if I wanted to go see a Pawsox game, I knew that that I would have to jump in a car and, and go drive uh, under an hour. You know, we we really didn't see too many fans who would uh, take the train from Boston to, to Providence, say, and then Uber or, or take a taxi uh, from Providence to Pawtucket. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say close to 95% of our fans who would come to Pawsox games over the years um, would would almost always drive and, and, and take their car. Um, so we, we, we certainly, want to uh, make sure that there's ample parking a, a, around Polar Park. But, uh, you know, I also think that, that one of the first things that, uh, that commuters will notice is, uh, is, is what big a difference that, that train station will make. And um, we, we certainly want Polar Park, sort of as, as you mentioned in your question, we, we want it to be uh, the, the, the place to, to hang out on a Friday night or a, or a Saturday night. Uh, we we want it to be where where Worcester goes and 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 has fun with the family um, and uh, we think that we're going to be able to create an atmosphere and a, a fan friendly a family friendly atmosphere in the park at the stadium where um, where fans are going to want to come back and uh, I think I think that we're we're well on our way and like I said earlier we just uh, are doing everything we can to. Uh, continue with construction and, and make sure that we open up uh, on time. 
All right. Yeah, that's great. It's definitely, definitely heard a lot of good things about, about that and where you guys are moving into Worcester. Um, so Major League Baseball, because of the pandemic, this season had had a short season. It was 60 games, uh, but the, min the minor leagues weren't so lucky. The season got canceled uh, because there were just too many too many moving parts, I guess, to try to, to try to get it both to work. Um, and the Paw Sox, you guys came up with, um, it was Dining on the Diamond, and I believe you guys started that up pretty quickly after the season was canceled. Uh, so can you just explain sort of how how you guys got to an idea of basically to do that? Because I remember it took off like really quickly with other minor league organizations and teams after you guys did so well with it. Yeah, it, it sure did, Mike. We, we were um, really the first team in minor league baseball to do it. And uh, there was about 28 other teams uh, that started doing it uh, after we did. And we were getting calls from teams all across the country saying, Hey, you know, what, what's going on there? What, what are you guys doing? This, this seems to be cre creating a lot of buzz. And um, you know, it, it really all started once, once we knew that we weren't going to have a full season, um, we still wanted to be able to provide something special for our fans. Uh, you know, we, the Red Sox did have, about 25 to 30 players um, who would work out in, in practice in Pawtucket every day from about July on. Um, but fans weren't allowed to, to come in and, and, and see that. The, the only people who could come in and see those workouts uh, were the media. And um, our production guys did a great job making sure that those workouts and simulated games could be broadcasted on, on social media. But, um, but like I said, we weren't able to let fans into the ballpark. So um, when we knew that we weren't going to have a season, we were all sort of huddled up around a conference table uh, early in the spring thinking, man, you know, what, what can we do safely to, to still uh, bring fans to the park? Um, and I remember the governor uh, was hosting a live news conference, Governor Raimondo in Rhode Island. And um, she was talking about phase two uh, of her reopening and an outdoor dining guidelines. And I think sort of a collective light bulb went off in, in all of our heads. And, and we said, you know, wait a second, we're, we're kind of an outdoor restaurant. We're, we're kind of an outdoor dining operation. Maybe, maybe we can make something work with that. And, and uh, so sure enough, we, we put, 40 tables in the outfield every weekend. And um, we, we sold out uh, every single weekend that we did it. And, and even, even going into the last weekend that we were able to host it uh, in October, Mike, we still had over 3000 fans on our, on our waiting list. So um, we, we certainly found that, uh, that there was an appetite for people wanted to, to get out of their house. We, we certainly weren't sure, quite sure what the response was, was going to be if, if people were uh, going to be a little bit too afraid or timid with the pandemic. Would, would people want to even get out of their house? But I think one thing that, that we found from, from fans was people just said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for doing this. I, I haven't left my 
home in weeks. Um, I'm, I didn't think that I was ever going to be able to come to McCoy this, this summer. And, uh, because of this, you guys have, have given me that opportunity. Um, and so I, I think that was sort of the, the overwhelming response that we were getting from, uh, from hundreds of fans. And I think it's, uh, it's something that, uh, we're, we're certainly going to want to find a way to continue in, in some fashion, uh, when we, when we open up Worcester, uh, in Polar Park next year. And I think it's, it's certainly given us a model, uh, of, of something we can do when, uh, you know, when the Woosocks go on the road, uh, next year. So it, uh, it, it couldn't have gone better. Oh yeah, that sounds like, especially if you still had like as many fans still on the waiting list, as you said, on the last weekend, I think that that really is just another way to show that like this was seriously a success, which, which is great. Yeah, it, it sure was, Mike. It sure was. And uh, we hope that whenever we're able to, to do it in, in Worcester, that uh, the response will be uh, equally as, as strong because uh, we, we thought that it was it was something special and, and fun that we were still able to provide uh, in a safe environment for, for families. And, uh, you know, I think we're, we're also certainly grateful um, to our ownership group for keeping us together uh, throughout all this. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't have been able to do it if, if we didn't have um, our, our full-time staff. And uh, we're certainly grateful to uh, Larry Lacchino and, and our entire uh, ownership group for keeping us together uh, during what was certainly uh, a difficult year for, for everybody in baseball. So, yeah, that's always um, good. So um, what are some other things sort of within the community um, outside of baseball sort of that the Pawsocks have done or are planning to do to, to sort of, to sort of say goodbye almost to the greater Pawtucket community, even though you guys are only moving less than an hour up the road. Like I recently saw you guys became a COVID testing site in that, in that area. Yeah, that was actually something that um, the state of Rhode Island has, has put in, uh, in partnership with the city of Pawtucket. And, uh, you know, when they gave us a call and, and said that they wanted to put that testing site in place, we said, absolutely. We, you know, we want to, do whatever we can to, to help. And, um, so from, from nine to five every day, uh, cars have continued to come through McCoy and, um, and it's, it's been pretty, pretty slammed just about, just about every day. Um, but that, that certainly hasn't been the only thing that we've been able to do during the pandemic. We've, we've also hosted, uh, food drives in, in partnership with, with some of our um, sponsors. Food insecurity has, has uh, been a big problem for not just people in Rhode Island, but all throughout the country uh, during this pandemic. So um, we've hosted uh, drive-through uh, food giveaways, food distributions for uh, residents in need in, in Pawtucket and in Central Falls. Um, and we've, we've had about, uh, you know, in each of those drives, we've 
we've had close to, to 2000 cars that, um, that have come through and, and received food. Um, and again, we, we hosted uh, about seven of those. Um, so we've, there've been a lot of things that we've tried to do uh, in the community during this pandemic um, safely to, to, to help folks who need it. And, um, you know, I think Mike Tamburo and, and Ben Mondor uh, and, and some of the executives that have been running the POSOX all throughout these years since, since the 70s, um, they've doing good work in the community is, is something that they've always done and, and something that they've been known for. And um, it's, it's something that we're certainly gonna continue as we make the transition uh, to Worcester. Yeah, all that, that sounds great, especially like trying to, trying to help out and with the community before, like before you guys moved to Worcester, um, just trying to, just trying to help any way that, any way you guys can like that, that's great. Um, so we'll move on, we'll move on to the final question here. We'll wrap it up. Um, just a little bit of what, what advice do you have for people in who want to be in sports in any capacity, really just advice to help them like get their foot in the door almost. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I, I think, you know, Mike, one, one thing that I always try and tell people, um, you know, certainly I could, I could talk about all the cliches, like work hard, show up on time, be diligent. Um, all that stuff is, is incredibly important. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I think one thing I've learned from working for Larry Lacino and, and Charles Steinberg is, uh, is they stress the importance of, of writing. And, and I, think, I think being a, a, a good writer uh, is, is incredibly important for anybody who's, who's trying to break into, you know, not only the baseball industry, but, but the sports industry. Um, you know, I think, I think one thing that I've found from working in this organization is, you know, they don't necessarily just stick a great salesman in the ticket office and put him there because, Hey, he's great at selling, but he can't write. So we're just going to stick him in the ticket office. I think our organization from the ground up, you have people with great communication skills, uh, great writing skills. Um, and all of that is so important. Um, when you're talking about the ability to, to communicate, um, with your fans. Um, and we, we just don't accept cover letters that are poorly written or uh, if, if prospective interns reach out to us looking for jobs and, and there's typos uh, and bad grammar in, in their emails, uh, you know, in all honesty, we'll, we'll sort of put those resumes uh, in a different, in a different pile. So um, having a passion for sports is, is, is great. Having a passion for, Baseball is is awesome, um, but uh, we're we're also looking for candidates and, and people who really uh, exhibit good writing skills, great communication skills, um, and I think that's sort of an easy thing if you focus on it. Um, it's something that can sort of separate you from 
from the pack. And, um, you know, part of it, Charles Steinberg's a, a former uh, PR director. So uh, writing has always been important to him. And, and, uh, and Lakino, he, he's, he's a former lawyer. He's, he's a, he's uh he has a legal background. So uh, that, that could be part of it too, but I think it's, it's something that's, uh, that served me well. And um, that's, that's always a, a piece of advice that, um, that I give to, to anybody who, who asks it. All right. Writing and communication. Anybody out there looking for work in baseball, you got to remember that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that is going to be our episode for this time with uh, Pawtucket and soon to be Worcester Red Sox, Vice President of Baseball Operations and Community Relations, Joe Bradley. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Hey, I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this very special episode of the Strikeout Central podcast with Joe Bradley of the Pawtucket Red Sox. Be sure to follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Bradley for latest Paw Sox news. If you would like to read about baseball news by the day as it happens, then check out the Strikeout Central website at www.strikeoutcentral.blogspot.com for daily baseball posts. Stay tuned for episode 13 coming soon. I'm your host, Michael. Have a good day and stay safe out there.